How many just sense the tremendous blessing and presence of God here this morning? Amen. He was here, is here, and uh, he doesn't leave us, amen, but there's those times that God just manifests. I was actually uh, reminiscing. I did not grow up in church. I've uh, mentioned that many times, but I didn't grow up in church, and uh, first time I ever heard I exalt thee sung was, believe it or not, in the bathroom of a homeless shelter. Our team had uh, gone there to minister. We were with the school that we went to, the school Lee and I met uh, met at that I mentioned just a minute ago. And for for whatever reason, I can't remember why, but all the spaces were taken up. I think they were serving or doing something here. And we wanted to pray before the service that night, so one of our leaders was like, hey, let's just go back here. And the the glory of God fell in such a powerful way that many of us were laid out. Look, you know God shows up if you're willing to lay out on the bathroom floor of a homeless shelter, y'all. That's, that's when you know it's God. Amen? And uh, my encouragement is when we get into those places of worship, is it's your time to forget about what and who is around you and to close your eyes and, and again, not see with the natural, but allow God to reveal something to you in the Spirit. Amen? That's why the Holy Spirit comes. He always comes to reveal Jesus to us. And oftentimes we're living in a world, church, that can't see him. I want to see him. Amen? Amen. Turn to Luke 2 this morning. Luke 2. Are you guys excited about the Christmas season? I'm very excited about the Christmas season. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, y'all. And I thank everybody who volunteered and helped put up the Christmas decorations, especially Faith and Leah and, and others who, Carla, and others who really worked hard on that. We appreciate how many like real trees you're a real tree person i'm just curious this morning amen how many like to do the fake ones yeah fake tree fake tree people i'm 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 a fake tree person i don't like all those needles all over my house y'all and uh when when i was growing up we had a fake tree and we just kept that thing decorated we had a closet off of our living room and we just pushed that thing over and put it in there and uh the next year when it was christmas time we'd just get it and pull it out and this was the 80s, y'all. So what did we have? We had a bunch of tinsel on half the tree. Because the other half you could that's how we knew where to put it when we got out of the closet was the tinsel. And over all those years when we plug it in, if one of the strands of lights didn't work, we just put another strand on it, right? So I love this time of year. I hope you too. If you get into my car, my vehicle, this time of year, you're gonna hear Christmas music, right? And, and it's also a tradition of mine to sing the words to the song wrong, you know? You guys have heard this before, but the part of the song where it talks about, and later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire. For years, I sang that as, later on, we'll perspire as we dream, because that's what you do around a fire. Conspire means to me to, to make a plan, hatch a plan to do somebody harm. I don't know why that's in there. I was talking to my daughter here a couple years ago, and I looked at her and I said, have you ever wondered why they don't sing about the 10th reindeer? And she's like, she started counting, down her dancing. She said, Dad, there's nine reindeer. And I said, no, there's, there's 10, because they talk about him. Oliver, the other reindeer, is right there in the song. You guys get it this morning? I should have saved that one, right? Yeah, yeah, Oliver, the other reindeer. But I love Christmas music. I love Christmas movies. I, uh, I've already watched Christmas Vacation. I've already planned on watching Elf. I plan on watching Home Alone. I love Home Alone. Anybody else like Home Alone? And I absolutely love the greatest Christmas movie ever made. 
Die Hard. No. <laughs> die Hard is the best Christmas movie ever made. No. Hallmark movies, if you come to my house, you're probably going to see a Hallmark movie where, you know, it's so realistic, the high falutin lawyer from the big city comes into the small town and just so happens that this young guy looks like Matthew McConaughey, but he didn't graduate high school, but he runs a Christmas tree farm, and they fall in love and everything works out well. So I've just ruined every Hallmark movie for everybody in this room. But those are Christmas traditions, right? The traditions that we hold as Christmas. And by the way, I do not suggest you watch Die Hard, so everybody just back off for a minute. But it is a Christmas movie, all right? But we have these Christmas traditions. We have all these things that we do and we run around and we get to hustle and bustle and we, 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 we have the traditions. But I wonder how many of our traditions actually point to Jesus. Because this Christmas season, as we begin into the season of, of Advent, and everybody say Advent. Advent isn't candles and it's not, you know, reading certain prayers every single day. Advent means coming. Everybody say coming. Advent, the word, means coming. And today, the main point that I want to point out, and here in Luke 2, we're going to look at a cast of characters, especially a characters named Simeon and Anna. And my title this morning is Advent, Having a Heart Like Simeon and Anna here in the scriptures that we're getting ready to read. But I do not want you filled with the Christmas spirit this, this holiday season. I want you filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, we can get so focused on the traditions that sometimes we miss what God is doing right in front of us. And the season of Advent shows us that in God's timeline, in God's way of working, in God's way of operating in this world, there are often seasons of difficulty, darkness, and you just don't know what to do. And then God breaks into that situation. So the main point that I want to get across to you today is that if you've been waiting a long time on something from God and that God promised you, I want to tell you today, just keep holding on because God is a promise-keeping God. And the darkness that these people were walking through at the time that we're getting ready to read this, it cannot be mentioned enough that these were very dark times, these were very difficult circumstances, this was a very difficult place that the people of God were in, and we're going to look today at the big idea that we can have something that is really awesome in front of us and not even recognize it. How many perhaps maybe got a gift one time that you just didn't like? Has anybody gotten a gift you didn't like? Absolutely. We've all been there. And you've got to act like you like it, right? You've got to pretend. I've mentioned this before, but it was such a funny story because I'm always out to get my wife, basically. And we were down in Mexico doing Christmas outreaches. And this precious brother, I saw him walk over to the store and come back. And he had some candy with him. And I don't know if you guys have ever eaten candy in other countries. It ain't the same, y'all. It is not the same. As a matter of fact, he had a handful of beef-flavored candy. And I think a couple other ones had, like, you know, had, like, uh, chili powder on them. And uh, he handed them to me. And, again, I did not want to eat this, but you have to act excited, right? Oh, thank you, thank you. And I looked at him and I said, do you know who loves this kind of candy? My wife, Leah. And I see her right over there. So let's call her over. You know, you had to put that in your mouth. And I remember one Christmas, 
my uncle always got me the best Christmas gifts. And I was always so excited that when we'd go over there and visit them on Christmas Day, he would come and give me and my brothers gifts. And we were so excited. I opened it one year, and I looked at it, and he gave me a belt. I guess I maybe needed a belt, but I cried and cried and cried and cried. And the sad thing about that, that was just Christmas last year, y'all. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've grown. I've grown. I was 10, y'all. I've grown. But we can have something right in front of us that we don't recognize. And the main point over these next few weeks as we preach are people either missed Jesus or they recognized Jesus. They either missed what God came to do or they were able to see and recognize what God came to do. And today, the heart of Simeon and Anna were of such that they were patiently expecting and waiting on the consolation of Israel. They were, con- they were waiting and patiently and expectantly looking for what God promised that he would do. Even though it had been hundreds of years, it had been complete silence from God at the end of Malachi all the way up to the, the announcement from the angels of, of, of peace and goodwill on earth. For today is born to you in the city of Bethlehem, your Savior, the Messiah, the Lord King. And it should amaze us. And we get caught up in all the traditions. And we get caught up in all the hustle and bustle and finding that right gift. And all the traditions that are supposed to point to Jesus. That probably, honestly, just to be heartfelt with you this morning, most of them don't point to him anymore. Because our Christmas season has become so commercialized. He even noticed over the last couple of years, I'm like, even small town Christmas lightings are sponsored by a bank and a restaurant. Instead of people who share the same values and share the same beliefs and share the same heart coming together to put up traditional things to do what? To point to the reason for the season, which is Jesus Christ. And today, I want to move in on you just a little bit by the leading of the Holy Spirit just to ask you some questions about the period of time that you're in. It may be dark. It may be difficult. It may seem like God is silent, just like they felt when the announcement was made in Luke of of the, the King of Kings was now being born. And think about that for a second. Do not go through these next few weeks of Christmas season without constantly being reminded that our God... The king of glory, the one of heaven, came and took on flesh and blood. Why? Because the point of Christmas isn't trees and presents or anything like that. And I've already told you, I'm not being a hypocrite this morning. I love all that stuff. I absolutely love it. But I love him more. Because if you look at the real story of Christmas, it's that God came on a rescue mission to save that which was lost. And if you don't remember that continually through the season, then you miss the point of Christmas. Much like most of the people in Jesus' day completely missed what God was doing right in front of them. So I don't want us to miss Christmas. I don't want us to miss the point. I don't want to, because Advent means coming. And I want to remind you something this morning. Just like they were leading up to the birth of their Messiah. And don't forget this either. They had had prophecies all through their word pointing to how Messiah was going to be born, where Messiah was going to be born, and all the things that were laid out right there in front of them. And they still missed him. 
But Advent means coming. So we don't just wait upon and celebrate the waiting that they endured for the birth of Messiah. We're also waiting and expectantly and reverently looking for the return of Jesus Christ today. Man, I saw some recent statistics. They were done last year, and I think it would even be higher now. But this they 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 interviewed Christians. They they did surveys with Christians, and they did surveys with non-Christians. And this amazed me. But across the board, when they when they surveyed and asked people, "Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back?" This wasn't just Christians that they asked. Eight in ten, no, four in ten people believed that Jesus was coming back. Four in ten. That's across the board. And then one of the other statistics, which absolutely amazed me, was when they, interviewed, when they asked Christians this question, do you believe Jesus Christ is returning? It was, it was 75% of Christians believe that Jesus is coming back. And that doesn't give me hope. That concerns me about the other 25%, right? Because I'm, I'm like the 25%. And then I thought, those 25%, they're single. Come on, somebody. They're they're single. They're like, oh, no, Jesus, don't come back until I get married. My daughter and I have those conversations. She's like, Daddy, is Jesus getting married? I said, my point, listen to me for just a second. My point is they had the prophecies. They had the word of God pointing to. So not that they would know the exact time, but they would know and recognize who God was sending. In the same way, we have the word of God and, and the prophecies of Jesus to begin to look, to lift our eyes because our redemption draws near. To, to focus on the word of God because we see, just like they missed it, I, I worry because when it got down to brass tacks... When they interviewed, when they asked Christians this question, then they said to Christians, "Do you believe Jesus Christ is coming back in your lifetime?" One in ten thought that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. One in ten, which means it concerns me that we can get so caught up in our everyday lives, we can get so caught up in the hustle and bustle even of this season when we're, the whole point of this season is the coming of our Messiah. But we're not just supposed to stop there. We are in the season of patient, expectant waiting for the, no, for the next coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look at our scripture this morning. God's gift to us at Christmas was unexpected, but if you knew what you were looking for, it wasn't disappointing. Luke 2, we're going to go down to verse 21 for the reading of God's Word. And it's a quite lengthy passage of Scripture, but we're going to read it together. If you're there, say amen. amen. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led... How many know that God's got it that day circled on the calendar? In Galatians, it says, When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son. The Holy Spirit was upon Him and revealed to Him that He would not die until He had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led Him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Man, I feel the anointing as I'm saying those words, y'all. Verse 33, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Verse 33, Anna, a prophet, so you have Simeon, you have Anna in this story that we want to focus on, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Father, I feel your presence in this house, Lord. Father, would you just settle over this place? Would everything that I teach today not come from me, but may it come from the throne? May it come from the Spirit of God? Lord, as you settle here, as you are here with us, Father, we just pray that you would teach our hearts, that you would show us truth, that you would help us, Lord, not miss you during this season, not get so caught up in all the stuff and the hustle and bustle, or even those, Father, for that are here today that are just heartbroken this season. Perhaps they've lost somebody over the last few years. Maybe there's a Maybe there's a, somebody missing at the table this season. Maybe they're walking through a dark time. Lord, we know that we have seen a glorious light. We know that our God is a rescuer. We know that our God is a savior. So, Lord, as I minister the word, help us today. Focus on you and to hear your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice a word there as you read that, hopefully, as we read it together? Waiting. Everybody say waiting. waiting. Something powerful about that time of waiting and If you've ever waited on anything, you know that there can be distractions in the waiting. There can be difficulties in the waiting. There can be things happen in the waiting. And this was a very surreal moment for these characters in this story. The characters in the story, of course, are the the mother and father of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Jesus is eight days. It was according to the law they would go and offer a sacrifice, and if you couldn't afford a lamb, then it was provided that you could buy two turtle doves or two pigeons. In other words, God wanted to provide for everybody to follow. So Mary and Joseph are following the law of Moses. They're doing what is commanded in the word of God to bring him into the temple to be dedicated. Now, in the temple, you had two characters in the story, but I want to paint you a picture this morning of what the temple would have been like every single day of the week. Every single day of the week, except for the Sabbath, of course, there would have been hustle and bustle. There would have been people coming and going. There would have been people there to bring sacrifices to God, to bring their offerings. There would have been people there praying. There would have been people there worshiping God. And in the midst of all this hustle and bustle, it sounds like holiday season to anybody else. The hustle and bustle, the the, the frenetic pace of life that gets all of us at different seasons and different times. Everything was going on completely normally because they had gone for hundreds of years. Simeon himself was a prophet. 
and a priest and somebody who, who was in the temple, they had not heard a word from God for hundreds of years. But think about this for a second. Think about this. They're there praying for God to send the Messiah, and the Messiah is being carried by his mother right past them. The God of Israel has shown up to his temple and they didn't recognize him. It's not lost on me in the story either that you have a young mother who's carrying a new baby and you get some older gentleman come running up and just snatching. Come on. They're distant, y'all. Distance. I'm reading that story and I'm like, boy, and then start singing over him. What a, what a wild scene. What a, what a scene that shows us that God can be right in front of us, and if we don't have our hearts and our eyes in tune, waiting expectantly, because the word waiting there doesn't mean waiting in a passive way. The word waiting there means an expectant way of waiting that is expecting God to do what God said He would do. And I came to tell some of you all this morning that even if maybe God has seemed silent in the season that you're in, God is getting ready to speak to some of you and He's getting ready to pick up some of you. You're not going to go into 2024 the way that you're in in 2023 because we have a God who shows up in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of our trying times. Israel, and you can't paint this picture deeply enough, they were under Roman occupation. And think about this. I did the math here recently just because reading the Bible many times over as a pastor all these years, I began to realize that Israel spent most of their existence under somebody else's boot. I'm going all the way back to the book of Judges and they were harassed by the Philistines and other countries and then you get up into their Babylonian captivity and for hundreds of years and, 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 and people would come in and conquer Israel. And this was an especially difficult time of being conquered because imagine the days that we live in with inflation and the high rising prices of things and the difficulty just being able to maybe keep the electric on and keep food on the table. They would have felt the exact same way living in the day that they were because imagine that you went to work and you caught 100 fish. Well, the, the Romans wanted 30 of them. Sounds a lot like today. Amen. Come on. They were under the, the Roman occupation. I'm sure inflation, which wouldn't have been a thing in their day, but it's a simple principle, that if you have an occupying army and an occupying people, the Romans who have now taken control, they could walk into your store and look at you and say, well, I want this and I'm going to just take it, right? In other words, to paint the picture of the darkness and the, and the desperation that these people are in, paints a picture of the days that we're living in, and the, the Advent literally means coming. God came the first time in church. He's coming back again. And my question to you this morning is, would we even recognize it? Would we even recognize God coming on the scene? Would we even recognize? Because there are some people in, in this story named Simeon and Anna that recognize at the end of the story, it even says that, that Anna went off and told others who had also been waiting. Church, we are in a season of expectant waiting on what? The reason I said Happy New Year at the beginning of the service is we always talk about the, the, the end is near. Listen, the beginning is near, church. 
That's how you have to look at Christmas season is a season of, of maybe difficulty, darkness, and trying times. But God has a plan and God has a purpose in everything that we walk through, whether it be individually or corporately as a nation and everything else. God is in control. Waiting isn't passive. It's hopeful, hopeful expectation, even exciting waiting. And Simeon is told, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel. I know you've been waiting in darkness. I know you've been waiting. But can I tell you a, a main key? And key number one this morning is this in the story. The main key is that he had a word from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had spoke to him and given him what his future held. And I love the part of the story that says, and the Spirit led him up that day to the temple. Church, if you want to know how to make it through the days ahead, you're going to have to get close to the person of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to get close to Him. You're going to have to listen to Him because He is going to direct you and put you in places that you never thought you could be. Being led by the Spirit. God is telling him, Simeon, what is about to happen is going to be a God thing. It's going to be the fulfillment of my promise. Church, you may have good things sitting here today in your life, but my question may be a pointed one, but it's true. You may have good things in your life, but do you have God things in your life too? Do you have promises from God, from the Holy Spirit? Do you have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit? God will never give you a life where he's not needed. God will never give us a church where he's not needed. You say, I've told you this before because I heard my pastor say it more than once. Because we asked this question and they were asking this question. They're praying. They're praying for Messiah. They're praying for God to send his, his anointed one, Jesus. And they're praying, they're praying, and he's walking right past them. And I want to tell you something this morning. If you came in and you say, man, worship's been great. And I'm glad I came to church today. I feel encouraged. I'm glad. But I want to tell you something, because my pastor used to say this, because we always ask, well, God, how is this going to happen? For every how, there is a Holy Spirit. Amen? How is my marriage going to get in a place where it's not on the rocks? The Holy Spirit. How are my kids going to stay off of drugs? The Holy Spirit. How am I going to advance in my job and what God's given me to do? The Holy Spirit. How's this church going to move forward in what it has in the future? The Holy Spirit. For every how, there's a Holy Ghost church. And in the story, you cannot take out and miss that he, was, he had a word from the Holy Spirit and he was being led by the Holy Spirit. If we want to get through our times of darkness, trial, and waiting to the place where you not only see the light at the end of the tunnel, but God breaks in with an answer, you're going to have to get to know the Spirit of the living God. May come visiting today. I want you to know this is a Holy Ghost church. We rely on Him. We believe in His gifts. We believe that He still moves in power. We believe even that you can't even come and believe in Jesus unless He opens your eyes. And they were blinded to God showing up the first time. And I wonder, are we blinded today with God coming back the second time? Are we in a place where we need our eyes open? The Spirit of God wants to lead you, guide you, comfort you, speak to you, help you with wisdom, reveal things to you. You know, the Bible doesn't, you single people that I mentioned just a minute ago, the Bible doesn't have the name of the person you're supposed to marry in the Bible. But He knows. That's where the relationship with Him comes in, to be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit of God will show you, just like Simeon, 
When you, when you have an expectation, when you have a joyful place that you're setting your heart upon of God answering something in your life, one of the best things that you can do is stick close to the Holy Spirit because He's going to keep your heart encouraged. He's going to keep your heart focused just like Simeon did. There were reasons that those people that were in that temple that day missed Him. And let me give you four quick ones this morning. There's probably 20, but these are four right off the top of my head. Ignorance. They missed Him because of ignorance. And what I mean ignorance, they didn't know the promises God had made. Ignorance. Number two, prejudice. I say prejudice because most of them were looking for a conquering hero on a war horse to come riding into Jerusalem and defeat the Romans and set on the throne of David and finally were rid of all the Romans. They missed Him because they had the wrong expectation of Him. Number three... They miss, many missed him because of complacency. Everybody say complacency. What do I mean by that? They had lost their true hope. Thinking, well, maybe all the deliverance stuff that God prophesied in, the, in the, the books that we are taught by our rabbis and we're taught around the table at home every time that we celebrate Passover, every time we celebrate one of the festivals. They thought, well, maybe God just meant in a spiritual way. Maybe God... Uh, in other words, they had turned to an alternative hope because they thought that God's hope they had missed. Are you hearing me? The danger in you and I turning to an alternative hope other than the coming of Jesus Christ is we can get off into something God never intended for us to get off into. Amen? And miss Him completely. Completely missing. Complacency. They said, well, maybe the Romans aren't that bad. Maybe if we could just elect the right Roman. Come on, somebody. I said this before and I'll say it again. The answer is not coming from the White House, y'all. It's coming from God's house. You hearing me? They missed him because they had gotten complacent in not studying the promises of God about who Messiah would be. And again, I'll ask the question, do we do the same thing? They had a shift in their hope away from reliance on God's supernatural power and they put their hope in the hand of man. That will always disappoint you, church. Are you hearing, Pastor, this morning? Always. Fourth thing I thought of, and this, this, this can apply to everybody in this room, distraction. Everybody say distraction. They were too busy serving other kings to notice the king of kings right there in the room. They were too busy running here and there. Listen, Busyness doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you're a busy person. But in this time where things begin to pick up over the next few weeks and you've got this to run to and you've got that to run to, listen, they missed Jesus because of their distraction. The overarching part you can't miss here, and listen to me, is the difference between those who were ready for his arrival And those who missed it is one word, waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting. And it's that part that I want to finish today with is our part in waiting. Everybody say waiting again. My grandfather who pastored for 43 years and discipled me for about a year and a half after I gave my heart to the Lord, the first time I met with him was a group of five of us and he was sitting at the kitchen table and 
he said, told me personally, he said, Jason, the two hardest things that you'll ever do in your walk with the Lord is to love your enemies, amen, amen. and to wait on God. How many knows it's hard to wait on God? It is. Just like, just like them, we want to take things into our own hands. Just like them, we, we get distracted with life. Just like them, we have a wrong expectation of what God promised he would do. And there's two people who have something in common. Simeon and Anna are both painted in the scripture as being very advanced in years, which simply means this, they were, had been waiting a long time. It says in the text that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort, the relief, the relief from our, our, our captors, the relief from the taxation, the relief from, from the, the things going on around them. And then you have Anna, who it tells us is 84 years old and had been married seven years. So it's, it's safe to say, for especially Anna, that no young girl, when they get married at 13, 14, 15 in the Jewish culture, had, had had an expectation of their life that their husband would soon die and she would live husbandless the rest of her life. She wouldn't have had an expectation of that. She would have been living 84 years alone. She didn't have an expectation. So let me make a couple of important observations. Number one, if you're taking notes, waiting is a key component of the Christian life. Let me, let me rephrase that. Expectant waiting. There's, there's, not a, there's a passive waiting that we can get into where we almost become like the people of Israel probably did. It's like, well, if he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. If he shows up and answers, he shows up and answers. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And I don't want us to be those type of Christians because I've learned about myself, and I think you could apply yourself into this statement right here when it comes to waiting is we as Christians, we want that hot pocket prophecy, don't we? Come on. We want that hot, we want that, God, I, I, this is what I want you to do, and if it doesn't happen in three minutes, then God, I'm not, God isn't like that, is he? Told you this before, God's a crockpot God. Ain't he? He is. Low and slow, y'all. If you don't learn how to expectantly wait on God, you'll miss most of the stuff God wants to do in your life. They did. The majority of Israel completely missed what was right in front of them. Completely missed the miracle of God being born as a, as a young baby. But Simeon and Anna didn't miss it. They didn't miss it because they were waiting. They were expectant. Listen, God's word gives me faith to go through trials. There's a reason that Luke brings these two characters into the story, and there's a reason they're both old. They represent for Luke the posture of long waiting. Sometimes we talk about the Christian life as, as if it's instant fulfillment, immediate answers to prayer requests. God, if you do A and I do A, then the product is B. But that's just not always true. Many of you find yourself in a posture of waiting this Christmas, a time that feels dark, a time that feels like you're, the people of God felt they were in dark times, they felt abandoned, God is not even speaking to us, God is not showing up, God said he would show up, but you had a group of people. They were expectantly waiting and looking for the consolation of Israel. That's Simeon. Maybe like Anna, you're longing for some yearning to be filled. And that's for those who life didn't exactly turn out like you thought it would turn out. Is anybody else in here just like, okay, good, be honest with me. Life didn't exactly turn out the way that you had planned and the way you thought it should go. Maybe you're 
grieving the death of a loved one this season. Maybe you're looking at your bank account and you're looking at the kids in front of you and thinking, man, I don't, I don't have enough to, to do what I need to do. These are difficult, dark times for all of us in some form or fashion. Maybe you're still waiting for that prodigal son or daughter to come home. And here's the thing. You've tried everything you know how to try. You've prayed. You've believed. You've gotten your pastor's counsel. You've sought advice from trusted friends. You've believed. You've worked hard to pray. But things still haven't gotten better. And Simeon and Anna's stories show you that God sees you and He has not forgotten you, church. Can I remind you of that today? That God has not forgotten His people. Remember we were walking through the whole COVID years, the 2020, 2021, and I was down in Brooksville heading to an appointment, and God chose that moment just to show up in my car. I wasn't expecting it. God loves the unexpected, by the way. He does. He loves. When, we're ex- when we have an expectation of Him, then God loves to do suddenlies in our life. And I, I have a word for a lot of you today. You're closer to your suddenly than what you realize. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God came in that car and I just was boo-hooing. And I, when, I get the, when I get overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord, um, and, and I make no apologies for tears. Amen. I pray for them. I want my heart to stay soft. Amen. I do. God, don't let me get hard-hearted by this old world and the disappointments and the darkness and the things I see going all around. It's the worries of my kids' future, the worries of this country's future, the worries of the world's future. We can all get weighed down by those. And I was weighed down in that season of my life. I was worried about the church. I was worried we had people here pass away suddenly over those years. Did a lot of funerals during that time. I was worried about people's health. I was worried about, you know, I had my dad pass away during that time on Christmas, the day, 3 o'clock in the morning of Christmas night. And I had another precious brother in the church pass away that afternoon, and my dad passed away about six or seven hours later. This was right after that. And I remember I wasn't, I wasn't praying. I didn't even have worship music on. I was driving silently down the road, but all these things were in my mind. Just like in that time, they were so distracted by all their worries, we can miss God. And God came into my car, and he spoke one simple thing to my heart. And I shared it with the people of God, and I want to share it again today in relation to Simeon and Anna, because they were older. They had felt like, man, I, God, I know you told me I wasn't going to pass away until I saw the Messiah. But, Lord, I'm, you know, the health is deteriorating. Things are going downhill a little bit. I know your promise, but, God, but Simeon was of a different type that just continued to believe God no matter what. And God came into my car that day. And he said, you tell my people, I have not forsaken my people. God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But I don't want you to miss him. I don't want you to focus on the gifts and the parties and all the traditions that I absolutely adore and love. Not being hypocritical, you can get in my car. And you'll hear Christmas music and, and, and worship music and, and me lifting up God because it's a time for us not to focus on the stuff. It's a time to remind ourselves, church, that not only did He come the first time, but we have a God that's coming again. That's what Advent is. It means coming. And we have the promises of God. We have the promises just like they had the prophecies and promises of God right there in front of them but they still missed it. And I get concerned that sometimes we still miss it. 
Christmas reminds us that we have a lot to be thankful for, and all of us are waiting. We're all waiting for the second coming of Christ. Number two, God's answers did not match their expectations. God's answer did not match their expectations. I think it's safe to say that neither Simeon nor Anna was thinking a helpless baby born to a poor family was God's primary, primary answer to their problem. This is Messiah? He doesn't have a sword. This is Messiah. He just, he can't let, think about something. <laughs> the one who the Bible clearly teaches us that in him are all things and without him nothing was created or made, that he is literally the word of God. So when Jesus spoke, everything came into creation. He literally spoke with his voice and stars and the sun and the water and everything. That voice couldn't speak for months. Think about that for a second. This little baby that Simeon is holding is the son of the living God. You see, what Israel thought they needed from God was not what they most needed from God. What Israel thought that they... And this, this, I'm going to move in on you and get personal for just a minute. Because we make this same mistake. What we think that we need from God is not really what we focus on and realize what we really need from God. I'm, I'm half-joking when I say this, but I know some of you, just like I was, I mentioned that Lee and I met in 1999 this weekend and uh, started a relationship a few months later, ended up getting married a few years later, and that was the one that God had for me. And some of you think, well, you know, if, if I could just get that spouse or if I could just get that promotion, if I got, if I could just get that money, if I could just get this or get that, but church, I want to remind you, that is not your greatest need this morning. Your greatest need is to be right with God, to recognize Jesus. And I want to point out something very clear, that others were blinded to actually seeing him because they had the wrong expectations. They maybe had gotten off into bad theology, whatever it was. didn't matter. You know, we can just elect a better Roman emperor or whatever. But the greatest need that everybody in this room has is Him. Because you're, if you aren't in Christ, let me tell you something. And, and this church believes wholeheartedly in the doctrine of everyone is created in the image of God. It's why I go about my day trying to treat people, whether they're demon-filled, possessed, and hate God, I still try to treat them with the understanding that they're created in the image of my God, so I'm going to treat them with that level of respect. But in churches, we have messed that up and we just come up to our pulpits and we say, well, God just loves everybody and everybody's good. Go on about your way. Everybody is not good. Because we've mistaken the, the doctrine of Imago Dei with the doctrine of adoption. Yes. Jesus went to Nicodemus and explained to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you have a big problem. One of the greatest rabbis and Bible teachers of Jesus' day comes to Jesus under the cover of night because something in his heart was telling him, there's something missing in my life. Do you have the answer? So he begins to explain to Nicodemus a very incredible principle, but the first thing he begins to say to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, you need to understand, there are children of darkness and there are children of light. 
There are children of the devil and there are children of my Father God. And the difference is those who know and understand because Simeon prophesied and he said, Mary, Jesus is actually going to bring a sword because He's going to reveal the true intentions of people's hearts. In church, if you don't think God has come not to judge the world, but judgment starts in the house of His God, then you're missing what God is doing all around you all the time. In this season, God isn't so concerned about the world. He's concerned about the church actually getting saved and bowing their knee to God. Why don't we ever come to God? Because we have pride in our hearts. Why didn't people come and bow down at that little manger on that day? Because it had been announced by angels to the whole countryside. People are running around. The Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been born. And nobody came to worship Him. Because they didn't see. The greatest need that you and I have isn't for a new toaster or coffee maker. It isn't for another family party. It isn't for another church party. It isn't for anything but for you to get your life and your heart right with the living God. Because church, He came one time and He's coming again. And I believe with all my heart that it is probably in our generation or lifetime. If it happens to not be, then then you young people that are in here, you live your life, but you be expectantly waiting. And if this generation that's sitting right here passes on, then you can stand up in front of a group of people at work or your family or a church service and say, He came the first time, but we're in that season of expectant waiting and expectant deliverance. But the main thing that any of us need, because they had the wrong expectation of who God was and what He came to do. God isn't so worried, so much worried about our political system in the United States other than there are people who need to get right with God. And if we focus on the priority and understand that Jesus is coming soon, then it helps us in this Christmas season keep our eyes focused on what is our priority. And that's to share the love of Jesus Christ. God loves you so much. He sent His Son to die for you. There's no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. No greater love. They missed Him because they had the wrong expectation. And I'll say from the Spirit of the Lord right now in this moment, some of you have missed the answer that God sent because you had the wrong expectation of what God said He would do in the situation. That's why you need a word from the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit illuminating the Word and to stay close to Him. Blaise Pascal, a great Christian philosopher, famously said that the human heart has a gigantic hole in it. That hole is not filled by money. It is not filled by romantic love. It is not filled by your family. It's not filled by a good Christmas party. It's not filled by your job. It's not filled by success or political peace or prosperity. It's only filled by the risen King Jesus Christ. You were created by God, for God, and the simple gospel is that was separated and broken because of Adam and Eve's failure and sin. And that fellowship was broken. I'm going to be talking on Wednesday nights about Christmas clothing. Shares this coming Wednesday. The other Wednesdays in the, in the month, we're going to talk about how we're clothed for Christmas. And how God, all the way back at the beginning, provided... He wasn't going to leave, let Adam and Eve leave there without being covered. 
God's a loving, covering, providing God. And that which we could not do for ourselves, Steve, God did it for us. And invites us by faith to step into that relationship and step into that place with Him by faith. And you can have a new relationship with God. The security that you've looked for. The love that you've searched for. Some of you, and I feel it from the Spirit of the Lord, you've looked for security and love and acceptance in illicit relationships, and you think illicit sexual relationships are going to fill you. It can't. It won't. It's only the love of our Father that can fill us up. And I want to be super clear. God is good, and we should ask for God's goodness to break into every area of our lives. Because they had the wrong expectations. And the expectation we should have is God, Jesus came to lead us back into fellowship with the Father. When God did it unexpected, but it was exactly what they needed. i got a question for you. Are you ready for God to do the unexpected in your life this Christmas season? I am. What's the key? You've got to stay close to the Holy Spirit. You have to have a word from the Lord. And you have to keep your eyes focused on Him and Him alone. And you have to be expectant. That waiting period that they were in waiting for Messiah to come, the waiting period that we are in now, wanting and desiring. Listen, with all of my heart, we should be people that are expectant because it's not the, the, the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the beginning when He comes. It's a whole new world, new heavens, new earth. If you can't get excited about that, you need to come and join the God side. Because only people that would not want God to come and to set up things and make them right are people that don't know Him. Because if you know Him, you know it's going to be good. It's going to be good, y'all. If you're really going to come to God, you've got to leave room in your heart for Him to surprise you. I guarantee you, everybody thinks they've got the end figured out, including myself. You've got some part of it wrong. It makes me nervous when somebody stands up behind a pulpit and says, I got this all figured out. I'll tell you straight up, this man does not. Actually, we start to look for for signs of narcissism in anybody that says that they don't feel like they don't have a lot of stuff figured out. There's a lot I don't have figured out, but I know this, God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. We are weak, but... Leave a little room in your heart this Christmas season for God to break in unexpectedly and surprise you. Sometimes the greatest love God shows is not in fixing our problems, but when He uses our problems to open our eyes to see the treasures we already have in Him. I'll say it again. Sometimes the greatest love God shows us is not in fixing the problem in front of us, amen, but when He uses the problems to open our eyes to see the treasure we have in Him. And I'll tell you this right now, and this may not match up with your theology, but it matches with mine, so I'm going to say it because I got the microphone. (laughs) Sometimes that comes through pain. Are you hearing me? It does. How does a surgeon bring peace to your body if it has a tumor in it? He cuts you and he takes it out. Amen? How does a, a therapist that you may see help you get over the anxiety and all the things that you may be struggling with. And how do they do that? They take you back to your past, bring it up, and then they remove it, right? 
Simeon said two things there at the end I want to close with. Buddy, if you'd come, if you'd stand with me this morning. He says first in verse 29, does anybody have a set of keys? I got them, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. In verse 29, he says this, I can depart in peace. I can depart in peace. Now, notice something. Nothing had changed about his circumstances. Nothing had changed. Israel was still under Roman rule. He would still be a victim of injustice, injustice, but he was at peace. And nothing had changed about Anna's circumstances. She was still a widow, yet she was at peace. My question for you that going into this Christmas season is, can you be at peace even if God doesn't answer the way that you think he should answer? Some of you treat peace like these keys right here and say this is your peace. And you go to your wife, you say, here, here's a, here's a key to my peace. You go to your boss, here, here's a key to your, my peace. You go to your kids, here, here's a key to my peace. And you've handed keys for your peace to all the people around you. And let me tell you something about people, including this man standing in front of you today. People will let you down. Jesus said, and I said it last week, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You see, the only person that should hold the key to peace in your life is Jesus Christ. Simeon said, I can now go in peace. Nothing had changed, but church, I said it last week, you can choose joy and peace this holiday season. And how can I confidently say that? Because it's Him that we find our joy in. It's Him that we find our peace in. It's Him, when you come into a right relationship with God, there is a peace overwhelming that will flood your soul. We give the key to peace to our, our government and we give it to our friends and we give it to our family and we give it to all these other people. But there's only one this morning that I would encourage you to give your peace to, and that's Jesus. Because people will let you down. And the secondly, as I close, Jesus, it said in verse 35, He said, this baby is going to bring a dividing line. Why was it a dividing line and why did He say that it was going to reveal the nature of people's hearts? Because they really, really got uptight with Jesus when he said to them very simply, I came to remind you and tell you that all the religious works that you're doing, they're actually as filthy rags. When we talk about Jesus bringing a dividing line, what he's actually pinpointing in some of our lives is pride because we want to try to earn what God has freely provided. We want to try to come to God and say, God, look how good I've been and look how good I've done and I did this and I'm in church today. I'm going to read my Bible tomorrow. And yay, aren't you pleased with me? Can I tell you this morning very plainly, we all come as beggars to God. And that offended people of Jesus' day because they thought more highly of themselves than they ought. He came to bring a dividing line because He wanted to reveal to people that there is no way for you to be in right relationship with my Heavenly Father 
except through me. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. This baby boy will be bring a dividing line. And he says, Mary, all of us are going to be challenged. Even Mary. Even Mary. Which side of the dividing line are you that Simeon talked about? Bow your head and close your eyes. Which side of the dividing line are you this morning? Are you on the side to where you would say this morning that, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm good with you because, again, I've, I've done this and I've done that. and I've Listen, the fruits of repentance are beautiful, but they are produced by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit are beautiful, but they are produced by being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. The gospel is not a, a set of, of switches that you flip and you check the boxes. It is a proclamation of what God has done in Christ Jesus. It's a proclamation of the good news of this. If you're on the side of the dividing line that is living for yourself and living for the world and living selfishly and and living your own life, the dividing line over here that doesn't believe this morning, you can make an active choice to say, God, I'm coming over to your side. And I want to ask that this morning. Which side of the line are you on this morning? Are you right with God or are you not? There's no in-between. You're not half right with God. You're either saved and on your way to heaven or you are not saved and born again and you're on your way to eternal judgment in hell. There is a hell and there is a heaven. God has moved heaven and earth and done everything he needs to do for you to come back into right relationship with him. So there's my simple question. Who wants to give their heart to Jesus this morning? Shoot your hand up. Amen. 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 Jesus. Holy Spirit's moving in people's lives. And I even sense, and I'll just say it, I'll I'll sense that what is going to keep you from, from giving your heart to God this morning and being the best Christmas. I remember my first Christmas after getting saved. I remember my first Easter so specifically, and I remember my first Christmas and just the overwhelming love and gratitude that I felt towards God because Christmas didn't mean anything but getting some presents from my parents for so many years that when I finally saw what it was all about, it impacted me in a deep, profound way. And again, I love the trees and I love the music and I love time with my family and I love, I definitely love presents. Remember that, y'all. Remember that. But don't miss out on the fact that Jesus is offering us himself this Christmas season. For those of you who raised your hand, that is the Holy Spirit working on you. And for those who didn't, what will send you to hell is not God, it's your own pride. God doesn't send anybody to hell, church. We make a choice to disobey and walk away from Him and not receive His free gift. Free gift. Free gift. So for those of you who raised your hand, this is not a religious prayer. This is if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. And the miracle of belief is birthed by the Holy Spirit too, by the way. It is. He's been working on you. He's been speaking to you. What I'm saying 
is empowered by the Holy Spirit because He's already done the work in your life. So can I invite everybody to pray this prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, this Christmas season, when we celebrate You coming to earth, paying for my sins, rising again, and Lord, You will come again. So today, I choose You. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, wash me clean, come into my heart, change my life. I believe in you, I will follow you, come make a home in me, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate folks getting their hearts right with God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And today, as I pray over you, my heart in this whole sermon is that you can say like Simeon, I can now depart in peace. The word I feel like is over this church right now is God wants you to have genuine peace and joy this holiday season. It's not, again, predicated on circumstances, who's in the White House, who's not in the White House, just all the craziness we see going on around us. We can still have peace because peace is a person and he offers relationship with each and every one of us. Amen. Remind you before I pray, tithes and offerings boxes are out there in the back. Oh, can I get your attention for just one second? Almost completely forgot, but I've told you guys through the years that uh, whenever there's something kind of uh, special, I don't even want to say special, there's nothing special about this, but um, we have had to search for and get new insurance for the church. And uh, how many know that's gone up? (laughs) Not only gone up, but I found out by way of talking to one insurance gentleman, he said actually what's happening is if we have a building, which our building is very old, they don't even care. They just drop you. So we got a letter a couple months ago that our insurance company is like, and we're pretty sure that they're like pulling out of all churches throughout the United States. So where we used to have six or seven companies, it's dwindling down. And how many have you understand what I'm talking about? Okay. And we, 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 and I feel very good about this. We got a good quote. It is more expensive. So I talked to the board Tuesday night. And I said, you know what I feel like? It's just present it to the people of God and say, if there's anything you can do to help us offset that insurance payment, especially with the increase, I'm just going to throw it out there and say, if you'd like to do that and help out in any way, it could be $10, it could be 10000 whatever God leads you to do. You know I don't, I don't press on you in that way. I just present it to you. Just write on your envelope or on the memo, insurance, and we will make sure it gets set aside. That's coming due here in a few weeks, and I just felt led to present it to the people. If there's anything extra you can do. But don't forget God's house. Don't forget your tithes and offerings, especially in this season, because not tithing and giving offerings is like, if you think that that's going to save you money, it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Because you're actually opening the door. Simple obedience is what, it all belongs to him. He just asked us to bring our 10% into the storehouse. So let me bless you today as you go. I want to bless you with peace. So, Father, today I pray, God, that you would bless and keep Christian Center Church, that, Father, your face would turn towards them, that you would give them rest and you would give them peace, that they would be blessed as they've come in, and, Father, they would be blessed as they depart today. May we never depart from your presence. And, Lord, may you continually hold up before us your goodness and love and mercy in the season we're walking in. Father, our eyes are upon you, and we expectantly await and are hopeful for the return 
of Jesus Christ. Father, bless the people as they go. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Yes, prayer tomorrow. If you want to come back at 6.30, we got prayer at 6.30 tomorrow evening. Oh, that's great. Yes, we are going to be at the school. Thank you. We're going to pray at the school. We're going to continue to do that because we're seeing breakthrough. Amen? Meet at the school 6.30 tomorrow and we'll do our prayer walk if you're able to come. Hey, if nobody's told you they love you today, your pastor loves you.